Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. Today, I'm joined by Gemma, or Isavina, an electronic producer, mentor, and speaker with online user groups for software like Ableton. Now, fair warning, that does mean that this episode is going to get a little bit technical, but I figured that since we're addressing the basics of music production and doing it yourself, it'd be a good place to start. Make sure you do your research on which software is best suited to you, because there are a fair few alternatives out there, and Ableton just happens to be what Gemma uses, but these lessons should be applicable across the board. Gemma, for someone who has no idea, what is a piece of software like Ableton, and why should you be learning it as a musician? I've used three or four different um, software. So they're called digital audio workstations or doors, mm. not like the doors that you open and close, but I always get confused yeah. when we're talking about doors. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Ableton is the best door for creativity and mm. uh, songwriting production because I've used Pro Tools, I've used Logic and I've used GarageBand and mm-hmm. for creation, Ableton makes the most sense to my brain. Yeah. Some people prefer Logic. Pro Tools is really quite impossible to create in. It's mostly for mixing and Mm -hmm. mastering or maybe like heavy editing. It can be quite useful. Um, So Ableton, yeah, I love Ableton. I'm also um, co-organizer of the user group for Sydney for Ableton. So we try to hold monthly events to talk about that and do workshops. Mm. Recently we did one on arrangement So learning how to like go from that initial idea into a full song Um, because with Ableton, it's very loop based. So things are going around in like maybe eight bar loops, four Mm. bars. And then it's very easy to not be able to turn that little loop into a full song. Yeah. And that's where people get stuck very often. How important to you learning to make music were online resources and user groups like that? And how did you end up actually becoming one of the people running these user groups? So I studied music at uni. But it was very, like, theory-based and, as most unis are, like, essays and reading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It wasn't very – like, there were a few few courses, but it wasn't quite enough. So that's where I turned to things like YouTube. And so I, I, like, I found some uh, YouTubers that I really Mm. liked and then I would watch a lot of their videos. They were really well made and that, you know, taught me a lot. But mostly I learned by doing. Mm. I I did an honours year at my uni – and I just looked at creative process in electronic music and I chose that topic because I just wanted to be in the studio all the time. <laughs> and so I pretty much spent like four or five hours a day, weekdays during that final year of uni. And then I went from being a really not good producer to like actually on my way to being a really good producer. Yeah. Just from doing all of that work and then you very quickly find out what you need to improve on. Then you go looking for the extra help from YouTube, for example. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that uh, when I was starting to use digital audio workstations that kind of surprised me is how abruptly you'd realize the things that you were doing before just made no sense and were counterproductive. Like you're trying to avoid getting super technical, but you'd put a certain instrument in a certain place in the panning, uh, which side of your headphones it's in basically. And you know, you'd go to mix that later and suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, all the bass is gone because it's phased wrong. And there are so many of these little mistakes of that nature and all sorts of other beasts that you start to learn through doing, as you say, that I think is so useful. So, you know, 
how can uh, musicians get the most out of balancing the learning process of the technical rigors of a digital audio workstation with just being creative and making stuff? Because I guess when I got started, one thing that always helped me up is I'd sit there for about four hours before I started actually writing anything, just making the drums sound good. And then by the time I'd made the drums sound good, I'd be like, ah, oh, the idea's gone, all right? I'm packing up for today. So, you know, how do you strike that balance of learning uh, the, the technical accuracy of it and still being able to focus on the arrangement and the stuff that you were talking about with your recent talk? So I'd say, like, don't worry about getting it to sound really good. I usually, like, try and get the track fleshed, like, fleshed out so it's pretty much all there. I'm like, oh, you know, if that snare is kind of crap, that's okay yeah. at this point. It doesn't really matter because mm. no one's really going to hear it apart from me, maybe a few others. Um, but the most important thing is, like, getting it done and not losing that mm. momentum because you can very easily like be tweaking a compressor for like 10 minutes and then <laughs> you make it sound worse. I know. That happened to me the other day. So often. Mm. The classic example that a lot of the producers that I've worked with talk about is you'll sit there tweaking the settings on a compressor, which basically for, if you don't know, generally makes things louder. Not technically true, but it'll get you there. But one thing that is notorious among mixing groups is people tweaking compressors with the compressor turned off and not realizing it because it's the kind of thing your brain tricks itself into thinking you're hearing a difference when you're not actually. And that's why it's so important to focus on the arrangement and uh, actually putting the song together. So in terms of your process of making your own music, what's most important to you in putting those arrangements together? How does that balance strike it for you? How do you put together a song? Yeah, so I'll start off make an idea. It just kind of like happens, you mm. know, like a lot of us just like come across something while we're just putting stuff, throwing it in like the pot, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then something will be like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then you kind of go with that and you make variations on that. And then you try different like things that go with that. that yeah. makes sense. And then I have to figure out, is this like the chorus or is this the, it's like we have A, B and C sections mm. in like arrangement I did a talk on arrangement so yeah. anyway um so I'm like oh is this like the verse or is this the chorus or what or is this like the build-up and I started the track on Saturday and had this amazing build yeah which is quite unusual I usually don't start with a build mm -hmm. and then it took me ages to figure out the drop but mm -hmm. at least I knew that it was a build yeah the worst thing is when you're like this is my drop and then later you're going this is not the drop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the the thing that stands out to me there as you kind of described that is that you seem to be thinking very much in that loop-focused way where you have your different segments broken up in the same way that Ableton kind of forces you to in terms of making it. Do you think that as a creative, you've inferred that from Ableton or do you think that Ableton has inferred that from the way that people who like it tend to make music? I think we're just all slaves to Ableton. <laughs> 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 praise the gods well it was like it was made by djs mm. so um although i think i make music that is quite a pain in the ass for djs <laughs> lots of uh, lilting time signatures and <laughs> no i mean i think i'll get there mm -hmm. but just like for example my latest track there's no drums for like the first maybe 16 bars i don't know like it's a yeah. while it's a lot of space to fill on a dance floor, right? Yeah. So there's just like a bass and it like vocals and no mm -hmm. drums. And that's really tough to mix. And I'm like, oh my God, oops. But that's just how it wanted to be. Yeah. I'm always like letting the track do what it wants and not 
Well, okay. So when I first started, I was like, oh my God, I have to sound like Flume. I have to sound like Jamie XX. <laughs> yep. I have to sound like Mount Kimby. And then I tried doing that and it was a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend anyone go out and try to sound like anyone else. You just have to let your sound like come out with time yeah. and doing lots of stuff. It'll just come. Well, yeah. I mean, that's interesting because the approach that I normally took when I was first getting started was the good artist, copy, great artist, steal kind of idea that like, if you have an idea that you really like from an artist and you're not sure how to make it work, just take it wholesale and you can kind of figure it out later, you know, use them as a building block for your own creative process. So how much uh, of your own identity, you know, should you be worried about when you're first starting making your music? Because I guess, as you say, you want to sound like everyone, you know, how, how quickly did you find what you would consider your voice musically? Is that something that you're still searching for? Is that an eternal quest? No, I think I've actually got mine, but it's not really like any particular thing. It's just like, I'm kind of, I started off making really dark techno mm-hmm. and now I've kept elements of that dark stuff, but now it's more like housey because I, I just realized that I wanted more melodic elements in there. Yeah. So it's quite melodic, but still with dark moodiness, but mm-hmm. then also with vocals that are my own. Yeah. Um, and I think my vocal style is like quite, it's like it's between spoken word and singing because mm-hmm. um, I'm not like a very good singer, but I'm working feel on that. I feel that. Working on it. <laughs> um, so I'm taking lessons. So hopefully that will like take it to more of a traditional singing sort of thing, but I'll, I'll probably like still mix in mm. the original style as well. Yeah. So I guess to, to kind of round this out, conclude uh, today's thoughts, if you had one thing, be it what you've learned with Ableton in terms of finding your voice in music that you could go back five years and tell yourself like, God damn it, get this into shape. What's, what's the one thing you, uh, one lesson you wish you'd learned earlier about putting music together? I think I had like a lot of imposter syndrome for ages. Yeah. The first time I got Ableton, I was maybe 17. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually seriously started producing, I was 22. Mm. It's a five year gap because I I didn't. It was the same for me. mm, Almost exactly. Yeah. Cause I didn't believe in myself. I was Mm. like, Oh my God, I didn't start when I was 11. So I'm never going to be like, (laughs) and now I'm just like, that is so silly Mm. because you know, that they say like 10,000 hours or whatever. I don't really, I don't think that's, a great thing to be telling people. It's it's a bit of a weird one because in the, in the, on the one hand, it's clearly like, you know, put in the work. But on the other hand, it's like, oops, you didn't put in the work yet. Not good enough. Yeah. And because like I only started seriously producing three years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I'm pretty good like mm. already. And then with another few years, I'm going to be even better. And then it will just keep going. Mm. But no, so eight years ago now. When I was 17, <laughs> I was just tweaking around, making little remixes. Yeah. I wasn't making my own music. Mm. I was just doing really terrible little remixes. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, you know, that's not very good, is it? So I stopped. Yeah. And then I went to uni and I got caught up in the uni thing and did my flute because I play flute. Mm-hmm. And I got very much pigeonholed into doing flute. Yeah. And I did really want to be a producer, but mm. I was sort of like too scared to really believe in myself and do it. Especially when you're learning a traditional instrument, I guess there's the pressure to like do it the traditional way and producing doesn't have that. So it's very hard to feel that structure as you get into it. Yeah, definitely. I really wanted to transfer into the composition stream and they were like, no, you should probably stick with the flute. (laughs) I'm like, all right, well. So I just started doing it Mm. um, in my honors year. I took charge. Mm. Yeah, I know. I remember uh, back when I first started producing, I had this one song that believe it or not, I'm still working on today because it's just been 
uh, a piece that I've kind of treated as like, this is the where I'm up to in my music production and it's evolved as I've gone along. And it's so interesting to hear uh, my own journey kind of encapsulated in that one song. And I guess it'd be very similar listening back to some of your earlier remixes where I'm sure you kind of hear the kind of dark techno that you later got into, but uh, it, it's, it takes such a different shape and it's always fascinating hearing that history. And that's also, I don't know your opinion on this, but I'd always advise keep everything you ever make because it's so useful to listen back and also oh, yes. the worst when you don't and suddenly need yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I, you just saw my face just fall. <laughs> yeah, because I used to spend a lot of time in the uni studios. Mm. They'd have all these plugins and different VSTs yeah. that I don't have. Mm. I'm like, do I invest $500, you know, to be able to go back <laughs> to the <laughs> – um, and so I've just thought like maybe I can just, you know, recreate the drums and then – because like the drums is what's missing. Yeah. Anyway, exactly anyway, so I know exactly it's just frustrating. Yeah. So I, I, the other tip I'd say is collect all and save, which just means like it helps you to not lose files. Mm. So you say you in, imported in some samples and then yeah. you took your hard drive out, mm. you lost your hard drive. I don't know what happened, mm. but if you collect all and save, it like gets all those little files that you've put put like dragged in, and it yeah. keeps it within the folder. It'll, it'll vary based on what program you use. Ableton's is collect all and save. I think most others would be save project as or like a save project copy or something along those lines. Look it up for the audio workstation you use because it's an amazing tool no matter which station you use. Now, before we go, we have a feature track here from you today. Could you tell us a little bit about the track that you've chosen and uh, where it came from in this beast of a journey you've had? So this is my latest single, Follow Me Down. And... This one took so long to finish. Mm-hmm. I'd say over 12 months. Yeah. Um, and it started off with, it's kind of hard to describe, but the synth line, it started off with that. And then I started adding in, there's a bit that goes follow me down and it's really soft at the start. And it's just a recording of my laptop's um, microphone. Mm-hmm. And then I put a ton of chorus on it. So it sounds cool. But the drop was really hard to get. And that took months and months and months. Yeah. The vocals came last and that was hard to write because I don't have as much practice. Mm. But then finally it did come and it came really quickly. It's so exciting when that click happens. Yeah. yeah. You can always just feel the moment. Mm. And um, then after that, the arrangement struggles were quite hard. I felt a lot of pressure to make it a short track for mm. radio and, you know, playlisting on Spotify, 3 minute 30 thing. It just didn't want to be that. (laughs) And so now it's like over five minutes, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I'm quite proud of this one. It's Follow Me Down by Ice Vena. You've got a nerve showing up like this. Apologetic like you didn't just miss. We were rivals, we were missed and missed.
to your influence. 